right. Well, good morning, Journey. Everybody doing well? Happy Father's Day. What a great day to have uh, this many uh, dads in the room. That's awesome. So uh, I'm, uh, kudos to the dads. Let's give it up for the dads. Man, they uh, appreciate them being here. What about these dads who uh, baptized their, their sons this morning? That's pretty powerful. And uh, pretty, pretty exciting stuff right there. And so anyway, we're, we're about to kick off a new series today, uh, starting with uh, today. It's Fishers of Men. And uh, this whole message is really about us doing some of what we just saw the dads doing. It's being in, involved in our kids' lives and, you know, and hopefully one day being able to share the gospel with them. There's no greater privilege than for a dad or a mom to be able to lead their child to, to faith in Christ and to be able to literally pray with them and then maybe one day walk with them through the waters of baptism. And so I'm just telling you, it's one of the greatest things we ever get to do in all of life, even greater than any kind of sports situation or anything like that. And so I just want to challenge you guys that, that are dads to, to ask, you know, hey, am, am I being that man that God wants me to be so that I can be that type of influence? And so we're talking about fishers of men. And, uh, and hopefully for some of the dads in the room, this will kind of connect with you. You'll, you'll kind of, kind of get your mind around if you like fish. Anybody here likes fish? Raise your hand if you like fish. A few people, not everybody. Anybody here hate fishing? All right. Nobody hates it, I don't guess. There's a few people that don't really like that much. But anyway, the thing, that's just because you don't catch anything. And so we're going to talk about, uh, you know, how we have to make adjustments sometimes to what we do. And if you're not good at fishing, then maybe you ought to look at another sport or something. I don't know. But the thing is, is it can be fun. You can learn from those that have gone ahead of you. And that's what, you know, we're supposed to do is learn from one another, right? And so Jesus is about to call his first disciples who were what? They were fishermen, right? And so Jesus calls them out. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. That's what they did for a living, right? And so they were good at what they did, and they were, Jesus, you know, he sees them, he calls them. And this isn't the first time that Jesus calls them. He has been around these guys, but he calls them, and they drop everything, and they leave and follow him. So Jesus called out to them, come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once, and they followed him. So they literally leave everything behind. They leave the boats. They leave the nets. They leave and they go to follow Christ. We, you know, asked what was, well, they'd been around Jesus a little bit. They had heard his teaching. They knew who he was. They, they'd seen some of the things that he could do. And so they knew this was a guy worth following. A little farther up the shore saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee repairing their nets. And he called to them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. So the thing about fishing, you know, is fishing, you know, with these guys, what they've been doing, they've been doing this as a living. They're commercial fishermen. And so they're, they're drawing nets. They've worked hard. You know, and we don't know exactly, you know, how good they were at what they did, but they obviously did it for a living. So they probably knew a little bit more about it. And, and so they're out fishing and Jesus says, listen, come follow me and I'll, I'll, I'll teach you how to fish for me and I'll show you how to fish for men. I'll make you a fisher of men. And, and so, you know, they're, they're kind of getting their mind. And maybe, you know, maybe there were commercial fishermen that was like, you know, dude, I would rather do anything than fish. You know, I would rather be able to do, be a carpenter or whatever. But they wanted to do something. Else. But when Jesus asked, man, they followed. But I think it was more than just, hey, I'm tired of fishing. I think they wanted to be a part of something that was bigger than what they were a part of. They wanted something. They wanted a purpose in life. They wanted a mission. And Jesus had that for them. So let's look at a couple things here so this is a a a quote from dr adrian rogers and i love this you know because when we catch a fish we bring it look here when we fish for fish we take fish out of a beautiful life into death but when we fish for men we take men out of death into a beautiful life with the lord jesus man that's a great statement that that'll preach right there dr adrian rogers is one of my favorite uh preachers and 
And uh, man, whenever I, I, I read that, I was like, man, that is a great truth. Because we do, we take a fish out, and man, we're thinking, hey, we're going to eat him, we're going to do whatever. But, you know, for a human to say, hey, we're fishing for souls, we're fishing for people, we're fishing for lives, we're t- taking them out of death and into life. You know, I think back to, to my own life, what it was like before I got saved at the age of 19. Age of 19, I realized what it was, and, and I came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I'd been raised in the church, I'd done all kinds of things, I'd been pretty religious up until that point. But I have never given my life to Christ. I had never received salvation. I just was religious. You know, I knew enough of, I knew enough of the Bible to probably get me in trouble, to be honest with you, or to justify a few things. But I, you know, for me, I was able to think back to what my life was like before I got saved. And maybe for some of you, you, you remember what it was like to be on the outside looking in. Hey, you know, no hope. Not sure about where you would spend eternity. Not sure how you even get into heaven. You know, hey man, am I going to go to hell or not? And, and, and so there was all those things I began to wrestle with, and, and, you know, before I knew Christ. And, and I would go to church and I wanted to know things, but I didn't want to ask too many questions and I didn't want to get too involved. And the thing is, is I was always on the outside looking in. Maybe you can remember what that was like, but for me it was death. I had no hope. You know, I had, I had no peace. Man, I was just struggling and I was kind of muddling through life. But man, whenever I gave my life to Christ, I came into a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, and it changed everything. It gave me purpose. It gave me a mission. It gave me peace. It gave me joy. It gave me the things I've been searching for in all kinds of ways, only through faith in Christ. And so here's what I love about what Jesus did here. Jesus chose common, ordinary people. He chose common, ordinary people to do an incredible work. He chose common, ordinary fishermen. He didn't go get the, the kings of the day. He didn't go get the elite of the day. He didn't go get the, you know, the, the thinkers who sat around him and thought and wanted everybody to listen to what they thought about. But he went to the common, ordinary man. He went to fishermen and tax collectors. And he said, hey, listen, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And so I think for sometimes for us as dads, you know, dads often struggle with being that spiritual leader in the home. They're like, man, you know, Mike, I would like to be that, but I just don't know enough about the Bible. I, you know, I don't, I'm not a, an intellectual. I'm not this. I don't study. I haven't been to seminary. Da, da, da. And a lot of times what we do is we use that as an excuse not to lead. And so what I want you to understand, if you're here today and you're a dad, and you're one of those where you feel inadequate, and you don't feel like you have enough, and you're not sure that you're able to be the influence that you need to be in your son's life or your daughter's life or your spouse's life or anyone's life, Jesus chose common, ordinary people. And so here's what we need to understand. It's about what Jesus can do in us and through us, not what we bring to the table. See, I can remember at the age of 19 going, you know, God, I, I, I want to give you my life. And, and Lord, I don't know what you can do with me, but here I am. And so I gave my life to Christ at the age of 19. I totally surrendered. I just said, God, I give you everything. It's not much, but this is all I got. Now, so I gave you my life. I surrendered. I put my faith in what Jesus Christ had done on the cross. We just got through singing about that. What he did on the cross, God's un- unbelievable love, that he loved this world so much and he loved us so much that he would send his son to the cross to bleed out his precious blood, to pay for our sins, our transgressions, our lies, our cheating, our greed, our sin, whatever it might be. He would pay for that with his own blood. And I remember at the age of 19, finally getting my mind and my heart around that. And then about a year later, God began to deal with me about ministry. And I was at camp. I was at camp. I was at youth camp. I was pouring into young 7th and 8th grade boys. I was teaching them a Bible study. And I 
And I can remember whenever Phil asked me to teach a Bible study, I was like, dude, I don't know anything. I'm not going to be able to teach anybody. He was like, well, just come with me. And I was like, no, 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 I'm just telling you, I'm not doing that. Well, of course I did that. And I made all, there was all these things I told God. I got, this is what I'll do. I'll, you know, I'll drive a bus for you if you want me to, or I'll move things for you. But God, you know, I'm not going to preach. I'm not getting up in front of people. I'm not leading worship, all that stuff. I've done all those things. I just want y'all to know. Everything that you think that you're, hey, you're not doing, God says, you know what? Let me show you who's God and who's not, you know? And so, so God uses us, ordinary people. And so that, I think it's important for us to remember it's what Jesus brings to the table. It's us being in, a, in the presence of Jesus, spending time with him. Maybe this morning you got up and you spent some time in prayer, praying to Jesus, asking him to speak to you, asking him to teach you. Maybe even as a dad, you're saying, hey, you know, God, use me today to speak truth into my family. God, use me today to serve my family. I know it's Father's Day and it's all about serving the Father Day, but what if, hey, every day we had that mentality, hey, how do I serve my family and how do I bless them? How do I encourage them? How do I challenge them? How do I lead them? But it's what Jesus can do in and through us. And he can take ordinary people. He can take ordinary fishermen, change the world. He can take ordinary tax collectors, change the world. He can take ordinary people and change our community. If we will just say, Jesus, I'm following you. I want to be like you, Jesus. I want to, I want to follow you and do what you do. So it's God's plan to take ordinary people and do extraordinary things through them. See, the thing is, is we only do what God empowers us to do. So it's the power of a living God working in an ordinary guy, ordinary woman, you know, it's just working through them. We become vessels. It was a God, we just want you to use us as your vessel, as your hands, as your feet. God, use us for your purposes and for your kingdom. And so we ask God to, to do those things. So that's really God's plan. God takes ordinary people. He does extraordinary things through them. God gets the glory. You know, John, uh, who just baptized these young men a few minutes ago, you know, he often talks about trophies of grace. That we become trophies of grace, God's grace, God's glory. God is glorified whenever ordinary people like us are used for his purposes and for his kingdom. And people look and go, you know what? Just ordinary folks. Just ordinary folks. Look at this here. So in Acts 4, these same guys who Jesus has said, hey, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. They're out doing the work that Jesus had assigned them to do. They, they're literally going out being his representation and going out and making a difference. And so they, 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 they've gone in, and, and so John and Peter have literally healed a guy, and a lot of people are, are upset that, you know, this has happened, and so they're questioning them. So look at this, it says, The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. Now, for some, that may have offended them. They're like, you know, how do they know all this? It's because they had been with the Word of God. They had been with Scripture. They had been Jesus, who was the Scriptures, who had become flesh and dwelt among us. They had received Him. They put their faith into Him. And, and so the thing is, is, is they were around Jesus. They were spending time with Him, and they knew Him personally. They had a relationship with Him. And so now they're, they're filled with this incredible spirit, this incredible power that gives them boldness to stand before anybody. The people also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. See, if we spend time with Jesus... People around us know it. Dads, let me just say this to the dads in the room. If you spend time with Jesus every day, you spend time in prayer, you spend time in his word, and you apply those scriptures to your life, your family will know it. Your, your friends will know it. Your coworkers will know it. And they'll know that there's something different about you. And they'll know that it's Jesus. It's not you just being a good man. It's not you just being a good guy. It's not you just doing good things. But they'll know, you know what, this guy has been with Jesus. And it was obvious to the, to the leaders of the day, they could tell these guys have been with Jesus. 
And, and so it's important for us to understand that the more that I spend time with Jesus, the more impactful I am in the lives around us. And what we do sometimes is we just take a little bit of Jesus and we try to mix it in with all the other things we do. And really we need, we need to spend time with Christ. We need to spend time with Him in prayer, in His Word, and then living that out in front of our children, our spouse, our friends, our families. And God will use us as His vessels. He will use us for His purposes and for His kingdom. And so here's the thing. Jesus gave us a mission. He gave them a mission. He gave these guys. He said, come follow me. He said, and I'll make you fishers of men. In other words, we're going after souls. You know, back in the day, they used to say, hey, man, he's a soul winner. That meant he was going out. This is someone who was evangelistic. They would go out and they would share their faith with somebody. And, and so Jesus gave them a mission. He gave these disciples a mission. He gave us a mission. You know, and it's, it's important for us to know that when we go to the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, that's to all people. That's to the church. And, and, and so it's having that mentality that, you know, that souls matter. That where somebody spends eternity matters. And I want you to understand this about our church and what we believe is the leadership here. We believe that the Bible is very clear that there's a literal place called hell. And there's a literal place called heaven. And those of us who reject Jesus Christ, those of us who reject his teaching, or those of us who literally just play the game and just do religion, don't have a relationship with God through his son Jesus Christ, by faith, their destiny is a place called hell, separated from God forever. Well, who would want their family member to go there, anybody to go there. And then there's a place called heaven that whenever we breathe our last breath, we breathe our first breath in heaven and we're in the presence of God where there is peace and there's joy and it is beyond measure of anything that we could think of. So we believe that there's a place called hell. We believe there's a place called heaven because that's what Jesus taught. And, and, and we believe that if you reject Christ and you reject his teachings, that is your destiny. And some of you might say, well, that's, that's, that's not good news, Mike. That's the bad news. The bad news is all of us have sinned. We've all fallen short. We've all missed it by a mile. Even in my best day, on my best deeds, they're not good enough. So there's nothing that I can bring to the table, nothing you can bring to the table. The Bible says we've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. In other words, we've missed it by a mile. But because of what Christ has done, and whenever I put my faith in what Christ has done, that Jesus left heaven, he went to the cross, he, he literally laid down his life, he bled out his precious blood, he bled out the, the blood of Christ to cover the sins of the world. And if I put my faith in what he has done, not only the cross, but through the power of the resurrection, that he defeated death, he defeated the grave, and he defeated sin, then I become part of the family of God. I'm adopted into the family of God. And you might say, man, Mike, that is crazy. But that's what these young men that just went through the waters of baptism did at camp by faith in Christ and Christ alone. And then they go public with it and they want everybody to know. And so for some, it seems like, man, that's crazy. But see, God, he takes the foolish things to literally stump the world. And we'll, we'll see as we unpack this today that Jesus had a mission and a purpose. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. This is after he has gone through the, the, through the cross. He's already gone through the, the resurrection. And literally he has appeared to hundreds of people and been around all kinds of people. And so he is about to ascend to go to be at the, at the right hand of the Father. And so Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What these young men did today and the guys in the first service did. They went public. They've been baptized. And so that's following the, the mission that was given to us as the church and to the disciples as well. And so, look, so it's important for us to understand 
Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so here Jesus is saying, hey, listen, if you're truly my follower, if you're truly going to follow me, you're going to be on mission with me and you're going to follow what I'm doing. And so we have to ask ourselves, and that's the questions. If we are truly followers of Jesus Christ, we are doing what Jesus did. So am I doing that? So if I'm truly a follower, and a lot of people like to say, man, Mike, I'm a follower of Christ. That's a popular thing, especially in the Bible Belt, especially in a church, right? I'm a follower of Jesus. Are you? Are you following his teaching? Are you lining up with his word? Are you doing what he did? Are you willing to forgive the way that he forgave? Because Jesus said that we are to forgive and to quickly and thoroughly forgive just as Christ forgave. And so we've got to be willing to forgive. And so is there someone that you're still holding a grudge against or someone that you're bitter or angry towards? Is there someone that you hate, that you wish they would die? Then God says, hey, listen, if you truly are a follower, then we've got to be willing to do what Jesus did. And Jesus was willing to forgive. He forgave me. He forgives you. If we'll call on him, if we will turn from our sin, if we will go to him in faith, he will forgive us and he'll wash away all of our sins. He'll make us as white as snow. He'll write our name in the Lamb's Book of Life. And so what I love about this is we have to ask, are we truly doing what Jesus called us to do? This past weekend, or past week, I've watched, uh, anybody here like old westerns? Anybody like old westerns? I love old westerns, especially John Wayne. You know, and uh, so uh, I watched Rooster Cogburn a couple of times this past week. I was trying to get Laurie to watch it with me, but she doesn't really care about westerns. And, and so if anybody familiar with Rooster Cogburn, like the old one with Catherine Hepburn and him? And so anyway, she is a missionary in this movie and uh so some guy, bad guys come in and they end up killing her father so she's riding with with uh with john wayne who is who is rooster cogburn and she's quoting scripture left and right it's it's, it's incredible throughout the movie and, and so she's riding through there you know and she he doesn't want her going but they're and they're kind of back and forth with each other a little bit but it's an incredible movie if you want to go back and watch a good one that's a good one and uh Anyway, so she asked him at one point in there, she goes, Reuben, she goes, is your name in the Lamb's Book of Life? Is your name in the Lamb's Book of Life? And he goes, don't you go preaching to me and don't think that you're going to change me or convert me because your bag will come up empty type deal. And so he's, he's defying everything that she's saying. But they continue to, you know, she's just speaking God's word over and over. And he asked one time, he says, you've got something to say about everything out of that book, don't you? She goes, yep. She goes, that's the way I was raised. And so I love it that she was doing what she was taught to do. She was doing what Jesus had done. She was willing to forgive. She had offended him. She goes to him that evening. Hey, listen, I'll, you know, we're not to let the sun go down on our anger. It's just an incredible movie. And if y'all want to watch something that's good, it's kind of somewhat wholesome. It's kind of got some good stuff. There's some shooting and banging up going on in there, but it's good. And uh, But anyway, so there's some truth in that. So if we're truly followers, we're doing what Jesus did. And here's another one. If we're truly followers of Jesus Christ, we are fishers of men. What was she doing in that movie she, what she was doing, she was sharing the gospel with him. And again, the bad news is, hey, we've all blown it. We've all missed it by a mile. The good news is, is God loved us so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, into this world so that we might have life and have it everlasting, have eternal life. And we're only able to receive that by faith. We can't get it by works. So that's the good news. Any, everybody qualifies. Anyone who puts their faith in Christ can, can be saved. And the good news is we can't earn it. So it's not like some are better at it and they will get there and others won't. We are all on level playing ground. The other cool thing is it's all by faith. It's not by works or anything, it's by faith. So faith is something that everyone can have, right? But it takes all the faith that you've got. So if we're truly followers of Jesus Christ, then we are fishers of men. In other words, we care about where people will spend an eternity. 
If we're truly followers of Christ, we care because he cared enough to leave heaven to come here. We care because he cared enough to say, hey, guys, follow me and I'll show you how to fish for men. So for every believer in the room, every follower of Christ, we have to be fishers of men. We have to be intentional with our time and with our words and with our actions and our hands and our feet to be ambassadors for Christ. So let's look at this. Since we claim to follow Christ and don't share our faith with those that are perishing, we're liars. If we claim to follow Christ, but we don't share our faith, we're liars. We're not really following him. We're only picking out certain things that we like and things that are convenient or even things that are comfortable sometimes. But he's called us to be fishers of men. He's called us to care about someone else's soul. He's called us to be willing to get out of our comfort zone and to share with someone what we have. I tell people all the time, we're just beggars that have found food that are telling others where the the food is at. Jesus is the bread of life. And we're telling them, hey, where it's at. And so I guarantee you that everybody in this room has somebody that you know that you're pretty sure they're probably not a believer. It could be a family member. It could be your mom, your dad, your aunt, uncle, brother, sister. It could be a friend. It could be a coworker. It could be somebody, a neighbor, that you feel like, you know, I'm pretty sure they don't know Christ. Well, then what are you doing to reach out to them? What are you doing to share with them? Because that's what Jesus did. He reached out to people. He cared about them. This is out of 1 Corinthians 1.18. This is Paul writing to the church. He says, The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the power of God. And so what he's saying right there, he's, hey, listen, to some people, he said, man, the message of the cross seems crazy. I mean, I mean, it's foolishness. He said for some who, who want to get there through humanism, he said that was kind of the Greek people at the time. It was all about humanism, humans' way of uh, getting there. He said, man, that doesn't work. You know, he had the Jewish people who were looking for another sign from God. They missed Jesus, but they're looking for something else. He said, man, this teaching about the cross seems like foolishness. He says, but God uses the preaching of foolishness to save souls and to change lives. And so there are people around us that will go, man, you know, hey, Mike, I don't get what you believe. And some of them really don't care. But here's the thing. I still have a responsibility to share with them what I know, right? Because you never know what God's doing in their heart. And they may have turned you away numerous times after numerous times, but the one time that you come to them, so maybe something bad has happened or maybe something good has happened, they're open to hear about the faith that you have. But here's the thing. They're looking at your life to see if your faith is real. If you really believe what you claim you believe. If you really follow Christ. If you really follow in His footsteps. If you really care about people's souls. Or are you one that hates people and runs people down and talks about people and gossips about people, then they're probably not looking to you. For a right relationship with God. But if they see you as someone who cares about people. And you pray for people. And you stand in the gap for people. And you serve people. And you share with them. How you came to know Christ. Then there's going to be a day. They may come to you. So it may seem like foolishness. Jesus showed us how to fish. You know, And that's the thing about fishing. Like I said earlier. oftentimes we can learn from somebody who's really good at fishing. But fishermen sometimes don't want to tell their secrets. Would you all agree with that? Like you ask, hey, what color lizard or worm are you using? They're not going to tell you. They'll even go in and buy up all the ones they can at Bass Pro Shop to make sure that nobody else gets that color, if it's effective. You know, so it's all about them. And that's not really what Jesus is talking about here. But we do need to look and see, hey, how, how, do we, how do we share our faith? And I think Jesus shows us how to fish for people in this story here with Zacchaeus. Remember the story of Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Wee little man was he. We probably sang that song as a kid. All right, so here Jesus kind of models for us maybe how to reach people, how to fish for people. So Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town, and there was a man there named Zacchaeus. 
And he was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. So it's one of the only places in Scripture where it says the chief tax collector. There's tax collectors throughout here. They were shunned. They were seen as, hey, the people we don't want to be around. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So in other words, he's short in stature, so he's trying to find a way, because he's heard things about this Jesus. That he, you know, there, there's the, the lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear. You know, that he gives salvation. He forgives sins. I mean, he's like, man, I, I want to see who this guy is. And he probably knows, hey, man, I am a guy who is a sinful man. He knew that he was ostracized by his own people. They didn't want to have anything to do with him because he was a tax collector, the chief tax collector. And so he knew that, hey, man, well, maybe this guy is what I've been looking for. And maybe he began to understand. He became convicted over the sin in his life. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. The cool thing is at least Zacchaeus is looking for something. He didn't know exactly what he's looking for, I don't think, but Jesus does. And and so here's what I love. It says, when Jesus came by, he looked at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. And so here's what I love is Jesus said, he he saw Zacchaeus. And I want everyone in this room to know that, that Jesus saw you. Whenever he left heaven to come to earth, he was thinking about you. You were on his mind. You might think, well, nobody really thinks about me. I promise you. Man, God, man, he loves you. He wants a relationship with you. Jesus came to redeem that which was lost. That's us. And so, so Jesus literally sees Zacchaeus and he calls him by name. He, he makes it personal. It's a personal relationship now, right? This is personal. He knows him. He calls him by name. And look, he even invites himself into his house. Y'all know people like that? They'll invite themselves over. Yeah, Jesus did it. I guess it's okay, right? Now, you may not say anything to them. You might let them come on over, and then you complain and talk about them after they leave, right? You know, that's usually what happens. But Jesus invites himself into his home. So Jesus kind of stepped into his his turf. He stepped into this guy's life. He said, hey, man, come down. I'm going to your house tonight. And there's times that maybe we need to push the envelope a little bit. We need to, you know, put ourselves in a situation where we're going to connect and we're going to communicate And we're going to have a conversation about what matters most. And that's what someone does with Jesus. Instead of always being comfortable, we've got to be willing to say, God, you know, get me out of my comfort zone. God, show me someone to share with. God, put someone on my heart right now that does not know you. And God, put me in a situation where I can share with them. And let me just tell you this. There will be plenty of times whenever you pray that prayer, God will answer it. And you won't follow through. When I got saved, the first person I wanted to see saved was my dad. I wanted to see him get saved. I knew he was lost. I knew there was. I knew he was not a believer. And I would pray, and I'd get my friends together and say, "Man, if you guys don't mind, pray, pray for me to be able to share with my dad." And God would give me opportunity after opportunity, and I would clam up. I was intimidated. I was afraid. I wasn't sure exactly how to go about it. And one, one weekend, we were over to the beach. We were at Gulf Shores. We'd been roofing a house over there, and we were driving back. And uh, all the way home, I'm praying, God, just give me the words. Give me the courage. And so I finally just asked my dad. I said, Dad, I said, if you were to die right now, where would you spend eternity? He goes, probably hell. And all I could get out was, you don't have to go there. That's all I could get out. I said, Jesus died that you might have eternal life. And he goes, yeah, I know that. And that's, where, that's all I got out, and that's all he said. And so it took many, many times of being able to do that. But I'm just telling you, there's somebody that God's going to put on your heart, and it's going to be awkward, it's going to be uncomfortable, 
but their soul is worth you getting out of your comfort zone. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. See, I, I think it's whenever we as sinners realize, you know what, Jesus wants to have something to do with me. Man, we get excited about that. We thought, hey, man, we're done. You know, he won't have anything to do. We're broken over our sin. But the thing is, is we realize, you know what, Jesus came for me. And I hope you don't ever miss that, that Jesus loves you, wants a relationship with you. But he's not going to continue to bless your sinfulness. We've got to be broken over our sin. And so Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and, and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. Man, he's excited. Number one, he's accepted for a change. You know, everybody else has shunned him and they, and they, they don't like him. Look here, but the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. They were bothered by the fact that Jesus was around the sinner. This guy who needed him, who needed to repent of his sin, who needed to be changed, who needed to be transformed. The people were displeased because Jesus is hanging out with lost people, with sinners. And let me tell you, the church can get that way sometimes. You know, we are frozen chosen. All of a sudden, you know, we don't want to worry about anybody else. We, hey, we're good. And the thing is, is we're supposed to be on mission, reaching out to those that are far from God. Doing everything we can to reach them and connect with them and share the hope that we have. And so Jesus is being made fun of or picked on, if you will, by the people who were supposed to be religious people. And a lot of times we are religious. We just don't have a relationship with God. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. I love this. You know, here Zacchaeus is repenting. He's saying, God, I'm, I'm broken over my sin. And the thing is, when we get in front of, when we get in front of God, we get in front of Jesus, man, it's like a, a, we're illuminated. It's like the light just shows you what's wrong in your life. And we can try to justify it and we can try to do whatever, but whenever we get in the Word of God, it illuminates my soul. It reads me as I read it. It reveals the things in my life that are not lined up with God. And here Zacchaeus is in the presence of Jesus himself. And man, he realizes he is an undone man. He is broken over his sin. And he's confessing. He's repenting here. And he's, hey, he's giving stuff away. And he's saying, hey, listen, I'll repay everything that I've done wrong four times over. That's better than most people would do. Most people would say... God, I'm sorry about what I did, but we don't ever do anything to repay or even go forgive someone who has wounded us. And so he's broken over his sin. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. That's Jesus speaking. And what he's saying, hey, listen, hey, this is truly a, a, a son of Abraham. Because a lot of the Jewish people there had wrote this guy off. Man, this guy is a traitor. He, he, he robs from us. He's working for the government. He's not one of us. And so they had ostracized him. But yet Jesus befriends him, shares, shares the hope of the world with him. And his life has changed forever. He's broken over his sin. He confesses it. He says, truly, salvation has come to this home today. Man, how awesome is it when someone puts their faith in Christ for salvation? Moms and dads, let me just tell you this. If you ever have the chance to lead your kid to Christ, there's nothing like that. There's no other accomplishment in all of their life that compares to that one. Maybe you've got a friend Maybe your mom or dad, maybe a brother or sister, but somebody, you end up leading them to Christ. And here's the thing, we don't save anybody. Only Jesus saves people. I don't save anybody. If I could, man, I would pick them off whenever they come through the doors. I would love to. But I don't save anybody. I just share with them who can. I share with them the Jesus that I know. And that's our responsibility. That's our calling. And so here, Jesus is saying, man, salvation has shown up. Salvation is in this house. There's been repentance. There's been you know, a confession. And man, now there is salvation. And so this guy has changed and radically changed forever. But Jesus makes it clear. He said, man, 
I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. Zacchaeus was lost. Jesus saw him. And I'm just telling you, he sees you no matter where you are. No matter where you are in life. No matter how far you think, Mike, I've done too much. I've blown it too much. I'm just telling you, Jesus sees you. He can save you. He can change you. And he will use you for his purposes and for his kingdom. So Jesus saw Zacchaeus. He sees us. Jesus acknowledged Zacchaeus by name. You know, like I said, in that movie, you know, of Rooster Cogburn there. When she asked, hey, Reuben, is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? This is what I love is that whenever we put our faith in Christ for salvation, the Bible says that our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life in the blood of Christ, never to be erased. And so we become part of the family of God. We become part of the church, the body of Christ. And therefore, we become part of his family. And so God wants to work in us and through us. And so he acknowledged him by name. And Jesus said, hey, listen, his name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. He is redeemed. He is saved. And if you've never experienced that and you don't know what it is to be saved... I'm telling you, you're on the outside looking in, but Jesus is saying, hey, listen, I see you and I want a relationship with you. I have purchased you with a high price, with his own blood. And so Jesus spent time with Zacchaeus. He spent time with him. And times we've got to be willing to spend time with people. You know, with my dad, man, I, I would pray about opportunities, but I would spend time with him. And prayerfully, my dad saw a change in me. He saw that I had gone from death unto life. And I tried to live out my faith in front of him, in front of my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister. To live it out in such a way that maybe they would say, Mike, how do you get saved? How do you get right with God? And I've got to be look, willing to look for those opportunities. But Jesus spent time with Zacchaeus. And here's the thing. Zacchaeus repents and receives salvation. That's a pretty good picture. That's a pretty good model that Jesus gave us. Would you not agree? That he said, hey, listen, man, he connected with someone. He spent time with them. Man, he, he spoke the truth of, of God's word into his life because he was the word of God. And we get to do that by spending, spending time with people and, and sharing with them. Now, this is important right here. Repentance isn't negotiating or bargaining with God about how much sin you can keep in your life and still be saved. I think sometimes we have that mentality. Hey, what can I keep doing? And if you're, if you're at the negotiating stage where you're, like, you're coming to the table and you're going, all right, God, let me see what I have to give up. Then you don't really understand repentance. You don't really understand brokenness over your sin. If you're negotiating with God about, hey, God, what can I hang on to and what do you really want? Let me just say this. He wants it all. He wants me. He wanted all of me. At the age of 19, I said, God, here I am. I give you everything. I don't have much to give, but I give you all that I have. I give you my life. And I'm just telling you, that's what he's looking for. He wants it all. He wants everything. And so it's not about negotiating. Repentance is brokenness that leads to change. It changes you. That repentance is, you know, I mean, I'm turning from that sin and I'm going on a different path. I'm moving in a different direction. I want to follow Christ. I want to follow his teaching. I want to follow him. I want to forgive the way that he forgave. I want to serve the way that he served. I want to be like Jesus in this world. And I want people to see Jesus in me so that I can share with them his love. And, and so repentance is brokenness that changes you. It's not just saying, hey, listen, you know, that's just. That's just a, I'm upset or I'm bothered by this, but we're broken over our sin. We're broken to the point of, you know what, man, I want to leave that and I want to pursue you. So Jesus came for us all. I want you to understand that Jesus came for all of us because we were all in need of a savior. When we talk about being a fisher of men, Jesus was the greatest fisherman. You know, if we read some of the stories and we will through the series where he tells them to fish, he controls it all. He has hands over it all. You know, these guys who thought they were professional fishermen, he would send them out. And they said, Lord, only because you say so, they would go back out and they would haul in so much that the, the, the ships literally began to sink. It was unbelievable. So Jesus came for all of us. 
Look at this passage here. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his, his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So God is offering to you. Many of us know that passage. But have we applied that passage? Have we applied that truth? Have we truly come to the point of brokenness over our sin, confessed it to God, repented of it, and turned to him by faith? Look at this next passage, verse 17. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. God sent Jesus to save you and to save me. And there's so many times that we try to figure out, hey, how do I get there? I'll just do better. I'll go to church more. I'll start reading the Bible. I'll quit smoking. I'll quit drinking. I'll quit. And we start trying to come up with all these things that we're going to do to earn salvation. And none of those things work. It is only me putting my faith in Christ. It is me coming to the realization that I am broken and I am in need of a Savior. And just in my brokenness, I say, God, I give you my life. I need you to redeem me, to save me. God, thank you for the Holy Spirit who brings conviction over areas of my life that do not honor you. God, I want to I want to be saved. I want to be redeemed. John 14, 6. Jesus talking to the disciples. This is someone he spent time with. He told him, he said, man, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And he tells them, he says, listen, you know the way. And they're like, Lord, we don't know the way. He goes, man, I am the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. No one can get there by works or deeds or religion. He said, there's only one way. He said, I am the way. He who puts his faith in me, his life in me, will have eternal life. And so too often we're trying to just do better. We'll work harder. But Jesus made it clear. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Look at this here in Acts 4. This is Peter. Again, Peter was preaching. Remember, Peter was the one that was embarrassed. He, he, he denied Christ three times. He, he kind of didn't want anybody to know that he was associated with him. Totally humiliated. But he stands for everyone preaching the gospel. Man, thousands have come to know Christ. But look at what it says. It says, for Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. There's no other way than faith in Christ. It's not by works. It's not by deeds. It's by salvation through faith and faith alone. God's amazing grace. And so here's some next steps maybe for you today. First one, maybe this one, to repent and turn to Jesus for salvation. Maybe you're watching online or maybe you're here in the room and you go, you know what? I've never done that. I've gone to church my whole life, but I've never done that. I'm just telling you, that is the key. Jesus kept teaching over and over. It's repentance. Brokenness over our sin. Brokenness over our sin. Turning to Jesus by faith and faith alone. Until maybe you're here today and you've never been saved. And you're wondering, I wonder if my name is in the Lamb's book of life. You can know that today. You can know if you're watching online. You can know that today. My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I know that I'm saved. Jesus said, "I've told you these things that you might know that you have salvation." We don't have to go through life wondering. But I'll just tell you this: if we never come to a point of brokenness over our sin and repented of that sin, in other words, turn from it, turn to God, then we've probably never been saved. We can be real religious and miss heaven by a mile. Here's another one. To commit to share Jesus with the people in my life. There's a lot of people in this room that I would say most likely are believers. I hope you are. But are you sharing your faith? Are you fishing for men? Do you care about a man's soul? Do you care about where they would spend eternity? Do you care enough to share your testimony? Do you care enough to share the words from, from Scripture with them that you've hidden in your heart? Do you care enough to pray with them, to pray over them? 
You care enough to serve them. You care enough to lead them to Christ. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm not sure what God is saying to you today, but I think you know. And I want to ask you, just just ask God, God, where am I in my relationship with you, God? God, am I truly saved? Is my name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? And if you don't know, then why go on wondering and hoping? But say, you know what, man, I want to nail that down today. I want to know. That I, I, don't, I want to know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus lives in my heart. I want to know that I'm His child. I want to know that I'm part of His family. I want to know that I'm going to heaven. Then nail that down. Right where you're at. Just say, Jesus, I confess to you that I am a sinner. And Jesus, I, I confess that I have blown it many, many times, many ways. I want to quit living that way. I want to repent of that sin. I want to turn and walk with you. I want to follow you, Jesus. And so, Jesus, with all the faith that I have, I put my faith in you for salvation. Jesus, will you come into my life and will you save me? Will you save me? With all the faith that I have, I'm asking. Let me just tell you what Scripture says. Scripture says that you will be saved. If you put your faith in Christ, if you put your faith in what Jesus did on the cross, if you put your faith in what he did through the power of the resurrection, you will be saved. And here's the thing, that should bring about change, that you're not the same. The fruit in our life is the fruit of the Holy Spirit at work in our life. He places within you the Holy Spirit to lead you, to guide you, to teach you, and to even convict you and rebuke you at times. To say, you know what, you're not honoring me with your life. If you just put your faith in Christ, if you just prayed that prayer, you're here in the room. If you would, raise your hand and say, Mike, that's me. I just prayed to receive Christ. Anybody in the room, just raise your hand. I see your hand right here. I see your hand right here. I see your hand right here. Anybody else? That's three right there. Four. Four. Five. Listen. Six. That's awesome. Listen, it's faith. It's childlike faith. You putting your faith in Christ. If you just prayed that prayer, we want to know. Man, thank you for having the courage to raise your hand. There's there's men in the room. There's young people in the room that have put their faith in Christ. That's awesome. Maybe you're watching online. You put your faith in Jesus today for salvation. We want to know. We want to walk with you. We want to see you go through the waters of baptism. We want to help you become all that God wants you to be. Praise God for salvation. Praise God for souls being saved in this room. See, Jesus was drawing men and women and young children to Him even in here today. God, thank you for loving us. I want to just challenge the rest of you that are believers. Share your faith this week. Share your faith today with someone. Maybe you need to go home, call your dad, share with him like I needed to years ago. Maybe you got an uncle or an aunt, a friend, somebody that you love dearly. You just need to share with them how God has saved you. Father, I thank you for meeting with us today. I thank you for the salvation that has taken place in this room. Father, give these, these men, these women, these young people the courage to take the next step, to fill out a card. But, Father, to go and talk to someone on the prayer team back here and let them know that they want to be obedient and follow Christ in believers' baptism. Maybe there's somebody online. God, help give them the courage to, to text that message in, to follow through in believers' baptism. God, thank you that you're not done fishing for souls. You're not done reaching all that you can. And God, thank you that you trust us with this mission and this message. In Jesus' name, amen.